Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. But Jason Jones' performance on the latest J Street Vibes podcast uh, was fantastic. Uh, oh wow! Who did he give a, he, he took a shot at somebody again. So I forgot. Well, you he, took a shot at Cal. Well, I did take a shot. At so Cal. you probably unfairly might I add. Uh, it was it was uncalled for. Uh, Cal was wasn't bothering for. anybody. Jason was just doing the podcast, Cal and you took a shot at Cal. Win a game. I mean, leave us alone. I mean, God. I mean, that was, was so rude and unfair. I mean, I like Cal geez, too. That's the crazy thing. Bad enough. I I like Cal too. That's the crazy thing. I like Cal. The the Lakers are the best of Jason's teams right now. <laughs> Hey, the Lakers are on the come up. They're I don't know. I'll, I'll I, take it. I, I don't know how high that ladder goes, but they're they're playing well, and Anthony Davis is playing eight. insane. I'll take it. Oh, he I'll took a it. shot at the Clippers. That's what he did. He did. That was well. I just stated facts about the Clippers. I didn't take a shot at them. That you know, if, <laughs> the win, if the Clippers win in L.A., does anyone care? And like all nine of their fans care. Wow. Clipper Daryl rolling over in his grave right now. Clipper Daryl's not dead. <laughs> <laughs> At least not that I'm not that I'm aware Steve of. Steve Ballmer rub, rubbing somebody's thighs. Well, right that's that happens in elation. That happens in every game, you know. <sighs> yeah, that's that's an HR violation for sure. <laughs> if you ever see the clip of that happened, the guys, oh! the guys like, bro, what are like, you? Like, your hands it, off it is aggressive. It is really aggressive. I'm the MD. He'd be like, man, we up by three in the second quarter. <laughs> I don't care how much money you make. Get your hands off my thigh. And homeboy next to him be sitting there like, okay, yeah, we're win- they're winning. Unbelievable. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is back tonight. I know you guys talked extensively uh, about this on 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 the podcast. Um, what does De'Aaron's return mean uh, for the Kings in this particular game against Philly? It means. Uh, Maybe that quite simply, they can attack a lot. You know, maybe you try to put more pressure on Embiid defensively. You know, get get De'Aaron going downhill and mm. really just you're, you're you're back at full strength. And De'Aaron has a tendency when he does get hurt, he he's really not out that long. So I don't think they should be so off 
after a couple of games to where he just can't jump right back in. And like we said on the pod, even if you fall down by 10, 15 against Philly, they're going to let you back in. I mean, mm-hmm. that's what they do. Mm-hmm. And that's what feels like it's been glaringly absent the last two games is what Jay just mentioned right there. The Kings attacking the basket. Yeah. Yeah. I think that when you have De'Aaron out there, we talked about this on the show, we talked about it on the pod, but it's, it is really one of those things where it just puts everybody back in their proper place. Now you got Davion, who not saying he can't be a starter in this league, but I think right now his game, and for this team specifically, is better suited to come off the bench, be a guy that locks in defensively and you know gives that type of energy, whereas when you ask him to start – you know, Davion, if we're going to win, we probably need 15 to 17. You know, we need you to distribute the ball. Oh, yeah, and you still need to be that defender that we're talking about, too. That's a lot on him right now. So Fox coming back, you know, at the very least, no numbers aside, puts guys like Davion Mitchell back in their more comfortable spot right now. Oh, definitely. And then, you know, makes life easier on Sabonis. Mm-hmm. Makes everyone's life easier, you know. You know, Kevin Hurd is going to get much different looks when people realize that if De'Aaron gets downhill, he just naturally draws two or three guys once he gets rolling. You know, mm-hmm. makes life easier on everybody, Malik, everyone. I just think, like you said, it sets everything it sets everything back in order. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the Sixers like to play slow. Now, all of their numbers say they like to slow things down. Is it completely up to De'Aaron, Malik, Monk to make sure that that's not a possibility for them tonight? Because Mike that, was adamant that they played too slow against Milwaukee. And that, that to me, seems like it probably falls on, on De'Aaron and perhaps Malik quite a bit with the second unit. And I think also with the rebounding. Mm-hmm. You know, you got to rebound and you got to get the ball out and go. I mean, that Milwaukee game, they were getting hurt by second-chance points a lot too. Mm-hmm. You know, Lopez just walking into the paint and just, you know, once they pulled Sabonis from the basket, you know, Poor Harrison Barnes and Malik and those guys trying to box out Lopez was no match. And then you can't get out and run if you can't get the ball. Right. So I think you got to rebound better in those situations. And then I think Sabonis is a good enough outlet passer to also help the guards. It can't just be on De'Aaron, get the ball, and take off running. Sometimes that break's got to get started because you get a rebound and get the ball to De'Aaron at half court. Now he's got the ball with 22 seconds at half court. Mm-hmm. Now we can really go. Yeah. What would you do with Joel and B? You know, like there's not much anybody can do with them, but I know we talked to Kyle Draper and he talked about Boston, you know, when they were going back and forth with, with Philly a few years ago. Um, they had a lot of success doubling him once he put the ball on the ground and just kind of giving him maybe different looks and and having the double come from, from different angles and things of that nature. But it feels like he's a much better passer now than he was uh, maybe three, four years ago. So, I mean, what what would you do with this guy? I think you got to make him dribble. You got to force him to not get comfortable. I mean, I think when you see him struggle, a lot of times he's trying to get on the ball and make a play off the bounce. And I'll take my chances with Joel Embiid dribbling the ball to get a basket from, say, 15, whatever, 12, 15 out than I would him just camping out or just getting a, you know, a standing, you know, open look from the perimeter. Mm-hmm. I, think you, I think defensively you got to make him work. Mm. Try to pull him away from the basket. I mean, it's easier said than done. He's really one of the better defensive bigs in the league, but you got to make him work. You can't, you know, and I think the Kings have an advantage in that Sabonis will make him have to work. He's much, you know, a much bigger human being than Sabonis, but, but you know, you got to do 
you got to do things differently. You got to put him in pick and rolls. You got to make, you just got to make him work. Yeah. Because he's going to, he's going to roll out of bed and get you 25 and 12 probably. Right. But you can't have is like that 53 point game he just had. You can't have him doing those 40 and 20s on you. You know, if you're going to stay in the game, keep him in that, like I said, 25 point range. But he's going to get that, you know, just because he's out there and he's going to get calls to get to the line. But yeah, defensively, you got to show him different things. And like I said, try to force him into turnovers. You know, make him try to be a decision maker off the bounce, not a decision maker on the block where he can kind of stand around and survey. Mm-hmm. Make him have to do things off the bounce. Uh, December 23rd, the Sacramento Kings take on uh, the Washington basketball team. We've got your tickets for that right now. Call number 3-916-909-1320. Again, call number 3-916-909-1320, December 30, uh, 23rd. Uh, the Sacramento Kings at the Golden One Center. Is uh, that because we don't want to offend Harry Potter fans and magicians? And Well, now that the contest is over, I can tell you, for some reason that I've never understood, we're not allowed to say Wizards. We're not allowed to say the Trail nickname Wizards. of the opposing team. So we can say Washington or Portland or Chicago, and we can say the Sacramento Kings, but for some reason we can't say Wizards or Trailblazers. I don't or, understand it. I don't understand it either. I've never asked. It's just like, all right, whatever. Or right, you feel those one ads that'll say the big game in February. That's right. You're not allowed. You're not allowed to use the Super Bowl as it's tied to a contest. You have to say the 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 big game or the game or just allude to it. Yeah. Because no one knows what you're talking no, about, no, 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 and we have to just treat everybody as if they're stupid. It's crazy. <laughs> right, what the, game were they talking about? A football game in February. Uh, Second weekend? A big game? What? <laughs> Cal and Stanford must, got moved in February? The Bowl, right? It's the Pro Bowl. It's the Pro Bowl. It's the Pro Bowl. It's the Pro Bowl. The interesting thing is, like, even with the Super Bowl, like, I can understand, like, if we trademark it and you're, you know, using it to some financial gain, mm-hmm. you need to pay us. Yeah, I get So it. I get that. Mm-hmm. This whole thing with the Kings playing Washington, I don't get that. I don't either. <laughs> I don't either. Because the Sacramento Kings and the Washington Wizards are owned by the same entity. <laughs> so, like, what is actually the issue right here? Again, there was no fine print in this. It was just like, don't say Wizards. All right, bro. Like, just give me the tickets. It's, it's fine. No but one cares. You're playing one of two Los Angeles teams. You guess which one. And- <laughs> you, you'll find out when you get there. Oh, is today is today a start? A 4 o'clock start? My phone, just, I thought it was a 4.30. I think I thought it was 4.32, but somebody said 4. Yeah, my 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 phone just alerted me. It that is because I got the alert about the injuries at two thirty. So that's ninety minutes out. Yeah. Okay. Mm. All right. So hey, we're taking you all the way up until all tip, up baby. Tip off, baby. Um, Harden and 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 Embiid. Not not necessarily tonight, but overall, is that something you think? This is a team, the Philadelphia 76ers, It's championship or bust. Like, there's no like they they need to be at least in the NBA Finals. Do you see that working? No. Okay. I just don't. <laughs> Me either. <laughs> I don't. I don't trust James past April. Mm. I mean, his history Facts. has shown yeah. the further he goes, eventually he's just going to decline. And we're talking about an older James Harden. Yeah. This is a, this is an MVP James Harden. You know, and I just I just can't see it. I just don't. I mean, you look at the pieces they have on that team. I like Tyrese Maxey when he's available. But, I mean, my man P.J. Tucker, I mean, how much longer can he be a 
counted on to be that guy to hold things together. Right. Tobias Harris is a Tobias Harris. I mean, they're just. I wonder if the year they lost to Toronto was their peak. I think so. Or the Atlanta year. I mean, you, they probably I, – I don't know if they would have had enough to beat Milwaukee, but they were number one seed when they lost to Atlanta. Yeah, I just I just wonder if they've peaked already. You know, I just don't I, – I don't see how much better they can get if J, they got to rely on 30-plus-year-old James Harden to be what he was for Mike D'Antoni in Houston. I, don't, I just don't see it. Yeah. And the other thing about James, too, is how does he um, – how does he kind of accept this this part of his career, right? Like you talked about it last night. He doesn't have the quickest first step anymore. He's a little bigger than he was, you know, in in his prime. He's a step slower. How does he adjust? I talked about, like, at the end of the game. That ball is probably going to Joel, and James is going to be like a spot-up shooter. We haven't seen him in his career, aside, aside from maybe OKC, be okay with the second fiddle type role. How does he accept that here in Philadelphia or anywhere else in in the latter part of his career? And the thing is, they need him to be more than just that. They just can't rely on him to just kind of be a secondary type guy. They need him to be near an all star level player, or mm-hmm. at an all star level to be you know to be a championship contender. And can he do it in spurts? I think he can, but is he going to be that 30 something? And plus remember the rules change. He can't get his 15 to 18 free throws a night. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so much of his game was understanding the rules and saying, okay, watch this. Let me swing through, get my two free throws. And all of a sudden he's got 20 points, but he's taking eight shots. Hmm. You know, if he can't get that. And then with the, if he's not as quick, he's not getting the same calls, you know, guys don't have to reach as much to guard him. Mm-hmm. I just don't know if he is, you know, a top, 10 player like that anymore where you where you say okay we got a plan for him like an mvp you got to do it with joel but it, but, you, but you can't necessarily with james which is why you needed to buy his harris to be maybe better than what you, what he's been you need you can't have pj not pj brown pj tucker i mean if they got pj brown i think we got real problems <laughs> seriously <laughs> pj tucker a fashion icon though that's what he's good for. Oh, yeah. He's he's good for the walk into the game, and then after that, it's just kind of a coin flip. Did PJ yeah, score tonight? <laughs> you can't be a three and D guy with no three. You know, <laughs> you know yeah. So I mean, they. I, I just don't know if this team can get past the second round of the playoffs. I just I just don't know. I mean, yeah. I think they they'll probably be a top four team in the East, but mm. I wouldn't take them ahead of Boston, Milwaukee. Yep. yep. Cleveland, you know, Cleveland. This is for you. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I feel like they, I feel like they had a legit championship window, and it like slammed shut during the the Ben Simmons nonsense, in which they just refused to yeah. move on from him and essentially wasted an entire season. Well, well, even then, even to the point that Jason said, I mean, the biggest, the biggest travesty of all of this is letting Jimmy Butler go. I oh, thought for that, sure. I thought that was the perfect city for him, the perfect team, the perfect group. They were about to do big things. They had him there. Feels like he wanted to stay there. And for whatever reason, they whether they didn't give him money or they didn't want to change a coach or whatever, they weren't able to bring him back. And that, you know, Jason talks about losing to Toronto. That's probably when everything died for Philly. Mm. Yeah, and when you had Jimmy, you had to worry about Ben in the fourth quarter because Jimmy had the ball. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, and then Ben could kind of do whatever it is Ben does. And 
without Jimmy Butler, you put all you put even more focus on what you know Ben Simmons couldn't do. Mm-hmm. Then he became the scapegoat for that Atlanta series, which I thought was completely unfair. He was terrible, but didn't Embiid have like ten turnovers that game? Mm-hmm. And I mean, it, it was amazing how that whole series got blamed on one guy. They lost three games at home. Yeah, and I'm not I'm not here to like to cape for Ben Simmons. But I just thought it was – I still find it interesting that entire series is still blamed on that one guy as if we all didn't watch that series and didn't watch Joel not play well and Doc make questionable decisions and all those other things that went wrong. But Ben was an easy scapegoat. Ben's not there, and they still probably won't win a championship. So I guess they can probably, they'll probably be blaming Ben for the next five to seven years, you know, how the Ben Simmons years set them back as if they didn't contribute to Ben being the way he is right. or was with them as if he just showed up and they were like, we don't know why he's doing this. Why mm. is he not being accountable? Right. Maybe because you guys created a culture where losing was okay. Mm. And, you know, and then you decided now, now it's time to win. He's like, but I like this. I was chilling. Hmm. Yeah. I got a max deal. Yeah. Switch gears here for a minute, if you if you don't mind, and we'll get back to the Kings and the, sure. and the Sixers in that game tonight. You wrote extensively about the Shaq documentary. The, the mm-hmm. I think it's a four part series. I tried to get into it. I watched the first episode. I didn't really feel like it hooked me. I haven't gone back to it. What's your What's your review of that documentary and um, you know what you wrote about it? See, for me, I had to get past the first one. Okay. You get to the second and the third. You okay. start getting as a Shaq guy, I knew a lot of that stuff. Okay. When you get into the later episodes, when he's talking about being hooked on painkillers, and you know, you got Gary Vitti crying, saying that I should have told the media how much pain Shaq was really in. Mm-hmm. Like that old three year where he, you know, remember the whole "I heal on company time." Mm-hmm. We really didn't know how much pain he really was in, mm-hmm. and he goes into you know. If I didn't take a painkiller or two, he's a he's so say take one. I'm a big dude. I'll take two of them. Now I'm sleep half the day. Mm. Now mm. I've got you know blood when I use the bathroom, but I feel good when I play. Mm. And the way he described it to me was that he could be he could have a good game without the painkillers, but he couldn't be Shaq without them. Mm. And I, I that's a part that I had never really heard him talk about. He talked about extensively how you know shockingly professional athletes cheat on their wives. I mean, I know no one would ever believe that, but he kind of gets into how it affected his family and how he really loved two women in his life. And he, and basically being rich and young and stupid, he lost them both Hmm. and talking about coming home in Miami and that house is empty. And if it's Shaq, it's a pretty big house. Hmm. And he said, really the only thing that kept him sane was playing basketball still because, you know, you know, wife was gone. And, you know, he talks about stuff like, to me, those were the, you know, once you get past the first episode, getting into those moments, him talking about his insomnia after his sister and Kobe died. The Mm. fact that he regrets that. He talked about it too before, but how Kobe never called him. He didn't call Kobe. Now he can never call Kobe again. Mm. And it wasn't that they were beefing at the time Kobe died. It's just the idea that you got two, you know, bullheaded guys and, they might not have been mad at each other, but they they certainly like going like, hey, let's go hang out. And, you know, he blames himself and he kind of beats himself up a lot about the whole idea that, you know what? I don't call people. You know, my sister died. His sister died at 40. Hmm. And can't, he talks about how that he just couldn't sleep and he was like, he can't go to bed before 5 a.m. 
Man. He just stays up all night because he said he just can't sleep. And he said, so to me, those were the moments where I just kind of said, wow, those were, that's what I was there for, man. I know about his career. I know about, you know, you know breaking the rims and all that stuff, Reebok. And also that they get into the stuff where they actually talked to Penny about him leaving Orlando mm-hmm. and how <laughs> he never talked to Penny before he left. He just, you know, I remember he, he said he, I think it was on the 30 for 30 of that magic team. And, on that on that episode, he's sitting next to Penny and I think Dennis Scott or somebody and he, I think he apologized there. He was like, I didn't handle that right, guys. Like I you know, whether or not I was gonna stay or not, that's one thing, but I didn't I didn't handle that right. I find Shaq kind of fascinating when you get him in real moments, right? When he's not yeah. being like Shaq the personality and you know, and a lot of bravado and stuff like that. When there are moments when there's interviews or, you know, documentaries, well, I want to see this one too, where you, he talks like a real person and um, and he opens up a lot. Like he's, he's pretty interesting uh, when he does get to that point. Yeah, the director, I talked to him for the story too. Mm-hmm. He talks about how sometimes he's let the camera roll and some of the good stuff he got was just letting the camera roll when they were done talking. And that's where we talked about the insomnia. They're like, can we see you tomorrow? He's like, no, I don't get up before. I don't go to bed till five. He said, we can't do no early morning thing. He said, I can't sleep. They're like, why not? He said, I can't, I haven't slept since, you know, Kobe and my sister died. Mm. And they died within three months of each other, I believe. Mm. And so he, you know, and like you said, when he really gets into like, when he, like when he talked about his marriage's ending and when I talked to him for the story, he said, he just thanks God his kids still talk to him. Mm. Because they interview his oldest daughter. She was like, well, he was there, but he really wasn't present. Like, I would see him, but it wasn't like he was dad there all the time. Yeah. And so when he gets into those moments and, and you, like I said, you don't hear a lot of professional athletes admit, hey, maybe me being in the streets all the time was a bad idea. <laughs> you don't hear a lot of guys just open up and say that. Right. And when I, when I was talking to him, I'm like, you know, hey, I've been through a divorce. He's been through a divorce. Some of those feelings you go through in that moment, transcend money. There's just human feelings you feel about, man, I'm used to coming home from, you know, I was used to coming home from a Kings game from working and having seeing my kids. He's used to playing and seeing you come home and like, it's empty in here. It's mm-hmm. quiet. It's a, you know, him, him talking about that. And to me, those were the cool moments and hearing people, how basically the Lakers old trainer, Gary Beatty said, Shaq played too much. Like mm-hmm. sometimes that childish stuff wasn't funny. <laughs> he's got to start by basically Shaq was playing and smacked him mm-hmm. and he had to like take a pain shot because you know Shaq's a big guy and he's, mm-hmm. like, he's like I want to kill him but the, the common denominator is everyone still loves the big guy everyone loves Shaq mm-hmm. they're like even when he made you mad there was a genuineness about him where you couldn't help but love him like I said you got Gary Vitti crying because he was like I should have leaked to the media how much pain Shaq was really in and what he really had to play for, because during his career, he took a lot of uh, criticism for not being a real leader and not being serious enough. And they even go into the fact of how much, you know, the the you know the kind of the force it takes for him to run. Like he played it up to 400 pounds. Mm-hmm. And the amount of force that puts on your joints to be that big and to still move that fast. I mean, there's a, there's some fascinating things as you get into it later where he kind of opens up, talks about all that stuff as well. So, I like I said, as a guy who's like a big Shaq guy, 
I definitely learned some things I had never heard him talk about. Yeah. And well, this hooked me more than the first episode. Dan. <laughs> this this conversation's got me significantly more interested in the next three episodes than I the first one. I had an advantage too, though, Damien. I got to watch all four straight. I got okay. them early, so mm-hmm. I watched it four in a row. So I feel you on the first one, but I watched <laughs> them all straight. So watching them back to back to back, it was like okay, hmm. Oh, wow. and then by the end, I was like, "Damn, this it, is like this stuff." You know, I, I feel like there's also an element of Shaq being Shaq in the first episode. Yeah, where it, and it, and it sounds like, by the way you described it, that doesn't appear to be the case through the next three episodes. Mm-hmm. But there's a lot of the personality Shaq mm-hmm. in the first episode, and it was like, oh. I was. I felt like I was watching wrestling. Like mm. this is a work. This there's, is like they're telling me a story here, and I don't know if this story is real or not. There's Shaq, and then there's Shaquille O'Neal. Y- yeah. Okay. Yeah. Right. And when they get into his kids talking, yeah, you get into his kids and his mom, and you know, you know, like I said, get, you know, you get they get they get Pat Riley in there talking about him, the argument they had when they traded him to Phoenix. Mm. <laughs> All that kind of stuff and him opening up about what it was like at the end of your career when you realize you're not really good, any, as good as you were mm-hmm. still out there. You know, you get into all that stuff later on. Yeah, yeah I, I feel, you know, early on, it's kind of like, OK, yeah, we've seen this before. But the further you go, the more it's like, wow, this stuff is pretty good. You know, the the we ironically we're talking about the Kings and Sixers and Joel Embiid and, and how dominant of a big man he is in today's game. And he's unbelievable. You know, for guys like, you know, Jesse, who's, you know, early 20s, the phenomenon that was Shaquille O'Neal oh, man. when he stepped on the scene. I mean, for him to be that big. And, like, even the way they play the game, like, you see Joel, and he's this big 7-1, you know, guy, and Joel's kind of, you know, spinning away and shooting fadeaways and shooting a three. Shaq was playing basketball how every kid – thought they would play basketball if they were the biggest guy in school <laughs> like he was like no I'm bigger than everybody I can jump I'm gonna tear the rim down I'm dunking on everybody's it like he played like that it, looking back I didn't appreciate it really at the time but looking back it's it's amazing what he was able to do at that size yeah, he did some things where you look back and go oh my god like how was that even fair I mean anytime they keep changing rules to adjust to you mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean the stuff you know and, and I think a, a lot of times you get a better appreciation if you can ever be around Shaq in person. You know, I've been around a lot of you know NBA centers, and Vlade is not a little guy. Mm-hmm. He looks like a little guy next to Shaq. Mm. And I think people just didn't appreciate how big, just this physically big Shaq is, and just the skill. I mean, his footwork was something to behold. Like you, they, they start going into you know his spin moves and how he got to the rim and. You know, and another favorite part for me is the referee. Had, I think it was Bob Delaney on there pretty much saying, yeah, we probably didn't referee him fair his whole career, hmm. you know, because it took so much to knock him down. We let guys probably just tackle him unfairly, just, you know, run into him, you know. So, I mean, there's, yeah, but yeah, this, the, I, I remember, think a lot of time, I yeah. remember the New Jersey backboard that he tore That's down when the crazy. shot clock hit him. Oh my God. But the one that he did in Phoenix, where the whole extension just like went down in like slow motion. It just went down back and forth before it was just basically sitting on the floor. Isn't like I don't think we've seen anyone do that since him. No. No, no. we haven't. And I think, They've had to have like restructured basket yeah. you know, basketball extensions to keep that from happening because of him. 
Now, I don't think we've ever seen anyone do what he did to Chris Dudley either. Oh, that oh that's well. <laughs> Chris Dudley was, threw the ball at. <laughs> that is still to me Chris Dudley the most over. disrespectful dunk I have ever seen in my life. I mean, just the way he did that. <laughs> I mean, what could you do? He just got so mad he threw the ball at him. Like, Chris Dudley's what? reaction makes it so much worse because that's like that's literally what you do on the playground. You just you yeah, just throw the ball at him. Like, what have you did? He threw this ball at you. <laughs> he threw it at him from hella far away. Yeah, too. Shaq was at half court. There was no sting on the ball at all by the time he got to Shaq. <laughs> he caught it like Debo does. Just <laughs> Also, um, I just want to, you know, thank God that Shaq didn't really want to hit Brad Miller. Woo! Yeah. Ooh, that yeah. would have been. That I... would have been criminal charges. That would have been, been nasty. Oof. Wow. Yeah, that would have been tough. That would have been nasty. I mean, like I said, that's Shaq is, you know, I've met Yao Ming. I've met Shaq. I've met Sean Bradley. Yeah, Yao and Shaq are taller than, I mean, Yao and Sean are taller taller than Shaq. Shaq is still the biggest person I've ever met. Mm. And if, yeah, yeah, if he would have connected with Brad that day, you know, would have rewrote history in a bad way. Yao was significantly wider mm. than I thought. Like, Yao was gigantic. I thought he was just a tall, skinny dude like Sean Bradley was. He was not. He he was was thick. thick. He was a (laughs) big. All right. We're done. It's like like dealing with a sophomore class. All right. We're we're getting out of here on that. Degeneration X is done for the day. (laughs) Jay, Jay, we appreciate you as always. Thank you, my brother. No problem. Anytime, guys. Catch you next week. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.